Born on America's darkest day of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes ever since. When a first responder or military service member doesn't come home and young children are left behind, Tunnel to Towers pays the mortgage on the family home to lift the financial burden. For severely injured veterans and first responders, Tunnel to Towers builds mortgage-free smart homes, enabling severely injured heroes to move around their homes more independently. Through the Foundation's Homeless Veteran Program, Tunnel to Towers is providing housing and services to homeless veterans. More than 3,300 were helped last year alone. Because all veterans who honorably served, whether in peacetime or war, deserve our nation's gratitude. People who put their lives on the line for our country and our communities need your help now more than ever. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget 9-11 or the sacrifices of this country's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. With the Biden administration hemorrhaging support, Democrats are searching for a message to take into the midterm elections. Well, looks like they found it. Instead of looking for policy solutions, they're just going to control what you see and they're going to smear their opponents. Friends, it is time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. You'd think that after they rolled out the Ministry of Truth, as everyone's calling it in a uh, allusion to Orwell's 1984, you'd think that they would say, you know what, maybe we should settle down a little bit with this. But no, in fact, they've decided to back up who I'm calling Soviet Mary Poppins, uh, Jankovic, Nita Jankovic, the would-be head of the Disinformation Governance Board. Uh, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas wants everybody to know what the disinformation board will do, what it won't do, because, no, they're serious about this. This is a real thing. Uh, The disinformation board, the Democrats believe, is a good idea. Why? We set up essentially an internal working group, and I must say um, that we we could have done a better job in communicating what it is and what it isn't. It's a working group. 
that takes best practices with respect to our work that has been going on for years. Mm -hmm. Best practices on how to do that work. The work of addressing disinformation that presents a threat to the security of our country. How to do that work in a way that does not infringe on free speech, does not infringe on civil liberties. So this working group uh, yeah. takes best practices and disseminates it to, disseminates those best practices yeah. to the operators. Let's be very clear, they don't believe in free speech. The Democrats have made that quite obvious with the way they've reacted to Elon Musk's attempt to buy Twitter with the idea that it would then become a free speech platform. This drives them completely insane. They hate this. So why would we believe them when they say, oh, don't worry, we're not going to be infringing on free speech? Why would we listen to them? We shouldn't, obviously. It would make no sense. Why would we believe that they would limit themselves to foreign sources of disinformation? No reason to. And they won't. And I think that's quite obvious. And beyond that, their judgment on these issues, the perfect irony here is that the disinformation czar, Soviet Mary Poppins, Nina Jankowitz, she's actually an expert in disinformation because she has practiced disinformation. She's the executive director of the disinformation board. Here she was back in October of 2020, right before the election. Back on the laptop from hell, apparently, Biden notes that former, Nat former NATSEC officials and five former CIA heads believe the laptop is a Russian influence disinformation op. Oh, so she actually thinks that because those people said that, that's possibly true? Is she dumb or is she a liar? Those are really the options here. Um, here is uh, Mayorkas, by the way. After, so we have this public record of this person supposed to be on the disinformation board. We're at a point right now in our society where free speech is a signifier of one side of the political spectrum. If you say, I am pro-free speech right now, if you just say that phrase, you're identifying yourself as a Republican. That's where we are. The left, the libs can complain about this all day. That is the reality. If you say you're in favor of free speech, you are telling everybody you are a Republican. Okay. So we are at a point that the left no longer even feels the need to defend the most basic free speech principles. In fact, they are against them. And with that going on, you also have Mayorkas, the head of the Department of Homeland Security, a massive federal bureaucracy, saying, don't worry, you know, our, our disinformation chief, she's very objective. Oh, and we're not going to go after your opinions. Watch this one. Do you really think that Jankowitz is anywhere near objective enough for this particular job? Yes, I do. And, and by the way, highly regarded as a subject matter expert, and I don't question her objectivity. There are people in the department uh, who have a, a diverse range of views, and they're incredibly dedicated uh, to mission. We're not the opinion uh, police. She has testified before Congress a number of times. She's recognized as a tremendous authority, and we're very fortunate to have her. We're not the opinion police. Huh. Not the opinion police. Except we know that this White House will lean and has leaned on social media companies to shut down what they claim to be disinformation that, in fact, sometimes is true, is reality, but... That doesn't change the way they're going to approach any of this, right? This is about power. You see it, I see it. 
And it is fascinating to watch how they are going to pretty, uh, pretty considerable lengths here to defend the brilliance of disinformation czar Jankowitz on these issues. Oh, she's an expert. Amazing qualifications. Here's Jen Psaki doing the same. Um, she's an expert on online disinformation. She was formerly in the Wilson Center's disinformation. She was formerly a disinformation fellow at the Wilson Center. She's testified before Congress as well as the United Kingdom and European Parliament, advised a Ukrainian foreign minister, particularly relevant in this moment, under the auspices of a Fulbright Public Policy Fellowship, and overseen Russia and Belarus programs at the National Democratic Institute. Any hiring decisions are up to the Department of Homeland Security, but this is a person with extensive qualifications. Oh, she was on a Fulbright to look at disinformation. Oh, I'm so impressed now, said nobody who understands anything about how Fulbright scholarships are handed out, by the way. Ridiculous. Um, but friends, they can't win the argument, so they have to control the information flow. They have to rig the game, you see. If the game were free and fair about ideas, then they would lose. And so on the one hand, they want to control the information flow. On the other hand, instead of actually dealing with ideas, they want to go after people. Ad hominem. The New York Times, this was remarkable, they went after Tucker Carlson with everything they've got over the weekend. How Tucker Carlson stoked white fear to conquer cable, and they basically wrote a long screed about how Tucker's a racist, oh, he's racist, all this stuff. And then when you actually read this, and I will save you the time, it's thousands of pages long, you do not want to read this. It is just like a long, whiny high school girl being like, Tucker's so mean. It's actually written by a guy named uh, Confessore. But the whole thing is just blather. It, it is nothing. It makes no case other than a lot of insinuation, a lot of smear. It's trash, utter trash writing. This is the New York Times quote here. At a moment when white backlash is the jet fuel of a Republican Party striving to return to power in Washington, he has become, Tucker, the preeminent champion of Americans who feel most threatened by the rising power of black and brown citizens. Oh, it's white people that Tucker is appealing to. They're the problem, you see what they're telling you. And it's racism behind Tucker's ascent in cable news. Uh, what about the fact that Democrats are doing a crappy job and a lot of people are seeing that? They're just bad at governance. A lot of uh, Hispanic and Latino voters are certainly seeing it based on all the polling because this administration is bad at its job. The Democrats are looking to places like the New York Times to make a case about racism for people who have a prominent voice on the right and for the Republican Party overall. Meanwhile, even Trevor Noah, for example, on the left at the White House Correspondents' Dinner is making jokes about how things are not going so well for Joe Biden. Watch this one. I'll, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. If you didn't come, I totally would have understood. Yeah. Yeah, because these people have been so hard on you, which I don't get. I really don't. You know, I think ever since you've come into office, things are really looking up. You know, gas is up, rent is up, food is up, <laughs> everything. Yeah. Ha ha. It is all up, isn't it? We'll have more on the Department of Homeland Security's Disinformation Governance Board with the first TV's TNLO coming up. First, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed, but we know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. Spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms out there. Privacy is a big issue. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. 
Secure will never mine your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence that they're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Go to secure.com now. Take back your privacy. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. Use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. The White House is in defense mode once again, this time for backing its new disinformation governance board czar. They're claiming, of course, the panel will not infringe on free speech. But the woman who has been tapped to run it, Nina Jankowitz, is not instilling a lot of confidence in anybody who pays attention. Watch. Information laundering is really quite ferocious. It's when a huckster takes some lies and makes them sound precocious by saying them in Congress or a mainstream outlet. So, disinformation's origins are slightly less atrocious. It's how you handle the lie, the lie. It's how you handle the lie, the lie. It's how you handle the lie, the lie. When Rudy Giuliani shared bad intel from Ukraine, or when TikTok influencers say COVID can cause pain, they're laundering disinfo, and we really should take note and not support their lies with our wallet, voice, or vote. Oh! Yeah. Joining me now with reaction, which we certainly need right now, is contributor at the first year, Tina Lowe. Tina, what do you think? I think that even if the content of what she was singing was actually accurate, you know, and not a disproven hoax, it would still be cringe. I am dying a little bit of secondhand embarrassment right now. But it is funny how just as in the media, when you have, you know, reporters on the disinformation beat at NBC and whatnot, the person appointed by the Biden administration to run apparently an agency that's been operating in secret for the past two months that we only just found out about an agency of disinformation headed by someone promulgating the biggest election fraud hoax of 2020. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you're you getting to this point that Nina Jankowitz, Soviet Mary Poppins, dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop story, says it's propaganda. She also pushed misleading claims on the Steele dossier. And you heard there saying, I mean, I mean there's, there was no real group of people saying COVID can't cause pain or whatever, like COVID's not real. That wasn't actually, the debate was should you like mask up five-year-olds outside in 30 degree weather because a bunch of anxiety riddled libs can't handle reality. But anyway, she, they're telling us that she's not gonna weigh in on this stuff. She already weighs in on this stuff. Oh, of course. I mean, obviously we have her entire Twitter history. I mean, rule of thumb at this point, guys, come on. Before these news pieces breaks. Auto delete your tweets, especially if you know you were spewing BS about the Steele dossier and Russiagate four years ago, or more embarrassingly, two years ago. Make sure you delete that. Um, but then the second more concerning thing is that, you know, the, the the disinformation correction only moves in one direction. It doesn't matter that the overwhelming majority of Republicans from poll after poll after poll don't believe in QAnon. It just seems like QAnon is the only type of disinformation that you know the media now, the government really cares about. To your point, what about the disinformation that the Hunter Biden laptop was a hoax? What about the Steele dossier being valid? Those as matters of disinformation had much greater impacts on, on both the 2016 and 2020 election than anything that was being uh, spread by right-wing fringe activists. You know, right-wing disinformation, even if you look at, even if you look at the GRU Russian bot armies actually in the Mueller report, were shockingly ineffective at spreading disinformation because they didn't understand American meme culture. 
But the Hunter Biden laptop laptop hooks, that was shared by NPR, that was shared in the New York Times, that was shared by quote unquote credible actors. Where's the fear about that if you're gonna start getting into this totalitarian sensorial game? Yeah, I mean, as more serious questions to you and are being raised about how the board will determine what is misinformation, critics are already weighing in saying the White House has gone way over the line. I mean, here's the Wall Street Journal editorial board, obviously right-leaning paper, but very, very rational. Mr. Mayorkas's intentions may be nonpartisan, but refereeing political debate isn't the government's job. Leave that to the free exchange of ideas in the public square. The disinformation governance board will promote, promote more distrust than it prevents. And by the way, I think they know this. I mean, my theory on it is that just the same way that PolitiFact is a joke to anybody who thinks that, it, you know, oh, PolitiFact is just the facts and it's honest. No, it's there to launder Democrat talking points and, and always the same thing with even the Washington Post and its five Pinocchios. So this would be the government version of PolitiFact. So it doesn't matter if we believe it, the Democrats want to be able to point to and say, it's just the facts, the disinformation board has weighed in. Yes, and also let's just think, take a step back and just think about what Mayorkas's job is to run the Department of Homeland Security. What in the DHS is currently successful right now? Not the TSA, which never should have been created, let alone you know allowed to stand right now. Border Patrol, which currently right now under him has let almost 900,000 migrants into the southern border just since the start of this year, just since January 21st, 900,000. If he succeeds in getting Title 42 repealed, the, his experts in the DHS think that we're gonna be up to 18,000 migrants being let into the border per day. The DHS has proved that it's failed at its mandate. It has a long history of a lot of Fourth Amendment violations, a long history of violations of civil liberties. At this point, end it. If, if, if the DHS is just going to become censoring American citizens while flooding our southern border with people who don't even have a court date for their asylum procedural process, let alone a negative COVID test, end it and put Border Patrol back under the jurisdiction of the, GO, of the DOJ. Because it's clear that all the DHS has done in its 20 odd years of, of, of creation has just been to infringe on our own civil liberties. And the fact that now they're expressly curtailing speech, which seems to be the goal of this, right? It's why, it's why Mayorkas can't say exactly what this does, because he doesn't want to say what it does, which will inevitably be a chilling censorious effect on, on domestic speech. Just end it. Got the DHS. This is so easy at this point. To be fair, Nina Jankowitz wants you to know, Tina, that she would work for like anybody who is fair and stuff. Oh. She put out a she statement. Would love to work I would for Donald Trump, right? I, I would. She would yeah. totally want to work for Donald Trump's Truth Commission. Well, here, no here's her statement, Tina. Here's her statement for you. I would consider working for any administration. I guess that includes Trump, with a solid respect for the truth, the democratic and human rights, whether conservative or liberal. I'm sure that means not Trump to her. I was simply motivated by the desire to make a positive impact and strengthen our democracy. Just as all my work on disinformation the past six years has been, I just want to be able to do the work. Apparently, she's really into Harry Potter, too, by the way, as well as musical theater. And I just, I don't know. I mean, can you, can you trust anybody who loves Mary Poppins, Harry Potter, and censoring free speech? Probably not. I trust, the, I trust her as much as I trust any woman who is she, her, and cat mom in her Twitter bio. That's how much I trust her about. Oh, she, has, she announces her pronouns? I didn't even know that. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying there's enough red flags oh, in there. Okay. It's, like, it's, 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 it's like seeing a she, her. It's like seeing an unironic cat mom. 
you know. Because that would be, I mean, that for me, that's, I mean, that's game over right, right then and there. Um, here's Jen Psaki, by the way, defending this new board uh, for the West Wing. Check it out. We know that there has been a range of disinfo out there about a range of topics. I mean, including COVID, for example, and also elections and eligibility. But I will, I will check and see if there's more specifics. I don't have any comments on the laptop, but what I can tell you is that it sounds like the objective of the board is to prevent disinformation and misinformation from traveling around the country in a range of communities. I'm not sure who opposes that effort. Do we think that's really what the objective of the board is, Tiana? Also, even if that is the objective of the board, I oppose that. I, I personally oppose the federal government thinking it is any sort of role in quashing free speech. You know what they have to combat COVID disinformation? A Surgeon General and a CDC director. They could go out there and just give consistent, factual, scientific information. But instead, they've shot their credibility to hell in the last two and a half years by consistently flip-flopping and lying about this stuff. I mean, just go back to February 2020 of don't wear masks, then hermetically seal an N95 to your face. Everything about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine being unsafe, but now it's safe again. We're never gonna have boosters. Now you need two, three, four, and five. There is the only way that the government should be messaging is affirmatively is affirmatively through their own actors, and that's why keeping their credibility is so important. So no, it is not their job to shut down what other people say. They can fight speech with speech, but that is not what this is about. We can hear it coded in the language, stopping the spread of disinformation, not challenging it, not making sure that more people have access to whatever the scientific record is, but just stopping the spread of disinformation. And that is censorious by definition. Tina, excellent. Great to see you. New York Times taking aim at Tucker Carlson, smearing the Fox News host as racist. Of course, usual crap. We'll have more on that with the deputy editor, deputy editor of Real Clear Investigations, Ben Weingarten, coming up. Well, let's talk about protecting your most valuable asset, your home. Look, can they really steal your home online? Well, actually, yeah, they can. It's called home title theft. Here's what happens. A cyber criminal forges your name off the title of your home and takes over as the new owner. And they take out loans against that home that they're pretending they own. FBI says this crime is rising rapidly and you're not protected by the usual identity theft program. Home Title Lock is what you need. Home Title Lock has earned my trust. The moment anyone's messing with your home's title online, they help shut it down. So look, go to HomeTitleLock.com and read the testimonials from former FBI agents about how this crime is so common and rising all the time. And number two, you can register your home's address to see if you're already a victim of this crime and don't know it. When you protect your home, tell them Buck, Sex, and Century. You'll get a listener discount. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Of all the conservatives in the media, few have drawn more fire than Fox News host Tucker Carlson. His show, Tucker Carlson Tonight, regularly pulls in around 3 million viewers each evening, dominating his competition on other cable news channels. So. It's no surprise the left would want to destroy him. Of course, that's what they're going to try to do. They're going to lie about him. They're going to smear him. In a profile of Carlson published this weekend, the New York Times accused the host of stoking racism and paranoia among his viewers. Uh, New York Times reporter Nicholas Confessore writes, quote, to channel their fear into ratings, Mr. Carlson has adopted the rhetorical tropes and exotic fixations of white nationalists. 
who have watched gleefully from the fringes of public life as he popularizes their ideas. Of course, by exotic fixations of white nationalists, the Times means things like a lawless southern border with unchecked legal migration, demographic shifts that come from this, jobs fleeing overseas, corporations going super woke, you know, hmm, those are things that a lot of Americans actually care about, aren't they? Here to talk to us about the latest smearing of Tucker is Deputy Editor of Real Clear Investigations, Benjamin Weingarten. Ben, good to see you. Um, they, this is like a three-part series, right? I mean, this is not even just a one-off. The New York Times is going all in. I mean, in a sense, staking whatever credibility, credibility it has left in trying to destroy the most popular TV pundit in the game. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, this follows on the heels of the jihad against Joe Rogan. It's coming at the same time as the war on Elon Musk. And what unites the attacks on these types of individuals is that, first of all, as you noted, Tucker is very successful. He puts forth a narrative that is totally disastrous, really poses an existential crisis for The New York Times and the rest of the regime corporate media, as I would call it, it really poses a crisis to the extent that those ratings figures out there, which show that key demographics for the left are actually interested in watching Tucker's show. That means he threatens their ideological monopoly on the narrative. But then even besides that, and this is the really scary part of this, the notion that any dissent from the orthodoxy put forth by the New York Times on matters like, say, immigration or wokeism in our schools, or as our now Ministry of Truth harboring Department of Homeland Security put out in a National Terrorism Advisory Bulletin a couple months ago, spewers of mis, dis, and malinformation on COVID or on Afghan immigrants coming to the country, etc. The mere fact that you dissent is now cast as representing a danger and really what our national security authorities in tandem with our media like the New York Times are spinning is a narrative where any dissent is not only dangerous, it potentially represents a terroristic threat to the United States, to the homeland, and that requires not just whole of government, but whole of society response. And that is the light in which I think the New York Times hit piece series has to be seen. And it's been right out there in the open for months. I've been chronicling from the Biden administration's so-called national strategy for countering domestic terrorism on. It is a war on wrong think that they are engaged in right now. And this is part and parcel of it. It is fascinating as well that the New York Times is so willing to not only smear Tucker, but obviously his audience along with it, which interestingly enough includes a larger number of Democrats in the aggregate than watch shows uh, like CNN in some nights, right? So you actually have, all, you have hundreds of thousands of Democrats who are choosing to watch. Now they could say, well, this is hate watching or whatever, but it seems <laughs> absurd to think that anybody who's watching Tucker's show is somehow uh, inherently the three million plus people. And when they do their replay of it, it really is more like four or five million when you add it in over the course of the night. Uh, that they're all white nationalists. I mean, this just defies reason. Yeah, and what's, what's really remarkable about it is this series is put forth under the guise of a much broader New York Times series on essentially threats to our democracy, so-called, threats to democratic norms. And so he's right up there next to Viktor Orban and a whole slew of other figures that they try to attack 
and characterize as posing this nationalist threat. But when they say a threat to our democracy, that's really a tell. Our democracy, every time you see those words coming out of the New York Times, should be read as our ruling class power. Those are the threats they can't tolerate. They can't tolerate dissent. They can't point, they can't tolerate anyone pointing out that the emperor really has no clothes. Their policies have failed for the very peoples they claim to care about the most and who they claim to speak for. And that's why someone like Tucker having a compelling message that to your point appeals to hundreds of thousands or millions of Democrats is very scary for them. That's their business model under threat right there. I wanted to get your take on the Elon Musk purchase of Twitter. You published a piece today in Newsweek saying Musk should actually look for inspiration from the Trump presidency. You wrote, Trump presidency provides lessons Musk ought to heed if he is serious about restoring freedom to the digital public square. If he internalizes those lessons and applies them at Twitter, it will redound to the benefit of the republic. What do you mean? Yeah, well, Musk, to the extent his stated purpose for buying Twitter is genuine, and I see no reason to think it is insincere based upon the whole series of tweets and replies that he's had to people challenging him over it. He poses a threat to ruling class power in some ways analogous to the one Trump did, and that he's talking about purchasing a platform through which the regime puts forth its narrative. What's trending on Twitter under non-must control is basically what the powers that be from the New York Times to the DHS and the Biden administration and beyond want you to see as the premier story is spun the way that they want them spun. Musk, I believe there are a few lessons from Trump that, that Musk is already seeing play out in real time and I think he's taken to heart already, which are one that you have to understand the stakes and the full scale assault on Musk over this potential purchase from the time there were just even trial balloons being floated out about it, I think shows you the fear among those who can't imagine or completely aghast at the fact that one of the major social media platforms that they think is responsible and may well have been responsible in part for the rise of Trump, Brexit, and other movements they simply can't tolerate could actually be in the hands of someone who would want to restore neutrality to it and stop shadow banning, banning, and censoring people. And consequently, I think you see already that he understands the stakes given how he's fighting those who are coming at him. And also the fact that we get those reports that Twitter locked down their source code so that so-called disgruntled, empo disgruntled employees can't mess with it before he takes over. The second thing is he's already acknowledged that there are those inside Twitter who have a different view on free speech, diametrically opposite view of free speech from the one he does. And if there's one lesson from Trump, it's that personnel is policy. So we have to, one really telling sign as to whether Trump whether Musk rather gets it, gets the lesson, is will he go out and fire the current CEO of Twitter or their censorship czar or other folks in the front office there who have a completely different view of free speech and believe in censorship and beyond. Those are a couple of the, the really vital lessons here. And the last one is that there needs to be transparency and accountability for those who have imposed these policies where people get thrown off the platform and censored with no due process. I think he should go beyond opening up the algorithms as he's shown, as he's termed it, to actually exposing the malfeasance and presenting it to the American people. That's the only way there'll be actual form of justice here. Trump was fought so hard in part because he threatened to expose the rank corruption in the federal government. They assaulted him from every side and he wasn't able to fully expose it. Must should learn that lesson. Astute and lucid as always, Ben. Good to see you. Thanks so much, Remy Buck. You too.
Five months into the term of New York City Mayor Eric Adams, the Big Apple continues to spiral into violence and chaos. We'll have more on that with uh, talk show host here in New York City, Mark Simone, coming up. First, I want to talk to you about the silencer shop. I'm a huge supporter of the Second Amendment, and for a lot of gun owners, the suppressor is just a must. They protect your hearing, they improve your accuracy, they minimize recoil. Suppressors are 100% legal in 43 states, so if you want to practice safe, accurate, more comfortable shooting, the best way to get your suppressor is through the silencer shop. They have a variety of suppressors starting at just $365. The Silencer Shop are the industry leaders for suppressors. They're a Texas-based company that excel at customer service. Each phone call, email, direct message, or comment is answered promptly, and they treat you like family. Their customer reviews are amazing. On Trustpilot, Silencer Shop has an average ranking of 4.9 out of 5 stars based on over 25,000 reviews, so you know they can be trusted. And get more details online at silencershop.com. That's silencershop.com. Or on Instagram at instagram.com slash silencershop. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. When Eric Adams launched his campaign for mayor of New York City, he ran with the promise that he'd put a stop to the violent crime that had been rising for a long time in the Big Apple. Five months into his term, Mayor Adams seems to be unable to deliver quite yet. Crime is continuing to rise in New York City and residents are noticing. According to a new poll on New York City quality of life issues, 59% believe their family would have a better future if they left New York City permanently. 41% believe that crime is the most important issue. 46% uh, believe we are headed in the right direction, and 54% of people believe we're on the wrong track. The New Yorkers seem pretty unhappy with how Mayor Adams is running the city so far. They're starting to demand change, and this is a, obviously the biggest city in the country. It's a Democrat stronghold, so the whole country's watching how this plays out. Join me now to discuss 710WOR and iHeartRadio host here in New York City, Mr. Mark Simone. Mark, good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for having so, me. So, so what do you make of the, let's just start with those numbers that you're seeing. Surprising to you? You think it's uh, about, is that, is that pretty indicative of overall sentiment about how Adams is doing his job so far as mayor? Uh, I think that's a little low. I think it's even worse than that. You know, uh, de Blasio, the worst mayor we ever had, crime was totally out of control. We couldn't believe how bad it was. That's why uh, Eric Adams got elected. And uh, to his credit, he accomplished the impossible. He got it even worse. Crime is up 40% uh, in the subway, sometimes up 80%. And that's in just a few months. I can't wait to see what it'll pull off by the end of the year. It's just a nightmare. Mayor Adams had a meeting with NYPD Brass on Saturday to formulate a new plan about how to deal with crime, which as you're talking about is really <laughs> heading in the wrong direction in New York. According to the New York Daily News, Adams has denied any intention to resurrect the 1990s Giuliani-era philosophy of broken windows policing, which emphasized arrests for minor crimes, including turnstile jumping, as a means of keeping suspects from carrying out more serious offenses, creating interaction with police, finding people who have outstanding warrants, etc. Mark, I mean, if, if they're not going to go back to Giuliani-era broken windows policing, as in enforcing the law, how does this get better? Uh, I don't think it does. You know, he had this big meeting Saturday where he called in every commander and asked them to each bring three ideas on how to fight crime. He was running on the fact that he was an ex-cop who knew how to fight crime. So why would he need all these ideas? He didn't really fight crime even as a cop. He was mostly in uh, administrative work. But uh, if you I, listen, I understand the anti-Giuliani stuff. I don't agree with it. But if you're that crazy left wing, uh, so call Ray Kelly. Here's a guy who kind of toned it down from Giuliani, but kept us totally safe for about 18 years. Call him, he'd be happy to tell you exactly what to do. Uh, buy his book if you don't want to call him. It says right in there what to do. Get Bill Bratton's book, it'll explain what to do. It's it's really simple. The one idea Adams came out with uh, last night with 
the idea was to put on more cops at night. A five-year-old could have thought of that. I mean, it's it's really frightening at how inept this guy is. Unbelievable. You know, Eric Adams released this statement on New York City crime, calling on other agencies to come to NYPD's assistance, quote, in order to start policing the city safely again, I heard across the board it's time to get back to the basics, but we also need every other agency in the city engaged. This is not a police problem. It's a city problem. Uh, what the heck does that mean exactly? Uh, it means absolutely nothing. You know, a fire is a fire department problem. Crime is a police department right. crime problem. Unless he meant the district attorneys and the courts. You know, you talk to the uh, commanders and uh, even every police commissioner here. It's basically about 2,000 to 3,000 criminals. Let's say 2,500. And the police know exactly who they are. And they're just repeat offenders. who They're not put in jail anymore. This district attorney lets them all out in the street. And they've told me. You could go out and in about two days round up these 2,500 and put them in jail, and that'd be the end of the major crime wave in New York. It's that simple. I want to switch gears for a second here on New York politics for a moment, Mark. New York State forced to delay primaries as the judge throws out gerrymandered districts. What's going on here? I feel like this was kind of a surprise to folks. Yeah, yeah, what's going on? The media is totally corrupt. If a Democrat does it, they don't they give it a pass and they don't cover it. So they always gerrymandered. They would redraw the district to make it a little more democratic. And so now that the media won't cover anything and let them go no matter what they try to pull, the Democrats zigzagged every district the most bizarre lines so that Every district was Democratic. No Republican anywhere could get elected. That's why Lee Zeldin can't run for re-election. That's why Peter King couldn't run for re-election. So finally, Republicans fought back and took it to court. And any judge that looks at these crazy zigzagging lines in these districts just realized this was preposterous and, and shot it down. And it was Kathy Hochul, this uh, governor, who uh, was behind all of this. So, I mean, it, it just goes to show you can't trust her at all when it comes to fairness. Oh, she seems like she's, in many ways, everybody's bad as Cuomo. I mean, maybe not grabbing female subordinates, but in terms of politics, she's got all kinds of problems. The New York Post reported that Hochul is a creature of Albany's corrupt culture, just like Cuomo. They wrote that it's obvious that New York Democrats do, drew the hyper-partisan maps with an eye on helping the National Party keep its House majority and uh, on reducing Republicans to an utterly impotent minority in the state Senate. Hochul and the legislature utterly ignored the voter pass requirement that redistricting be a truly bipartisan process. So, I mean, they just basically, right, Mark, they lied, they steamrolled, they want power, and that's what the map shows. Yeah, and again, it's this media problem. They know that no matter what they do, the media will not say a word. Uh, Kathy Hochul did this deal to build a new NFL stadium in Buffalo. No stadium in the NFL is publicly financed anymore. It was a billion-dollar giveaway to two big donors who have billions, don't need the money. Uh, she did it deliberately because the media won't cover it. And it was also a signal to other donors to let them know she'll do anything. And that's how she's been able to raise $30 million so far. According to New York Daily News as well, Governor Hochul's plan to remove indicted ex-New York Lieutenant Governor Brian Benjamin from the ballot is gaining steam. The program bill from Hochul's office would allow someone who was indicted, charged, or arrested to be to remove their name from the ballot is expected to pass early next week. Why is this something that deserves attention, Mark? 
besides the crime being way up, she's done nothing about that. She's done nothing about the tax. She hasn't done anything about any problem. On top of that, first thing she did was handpick a lieutenant governor who turns out to be indicted for all kinds of crookedness. There were all kinds of uh, alarms and warning bells on this guy she should have known. So it makes her look incredibly stupid. The recommendation to hire him came from Al Sharpton. How dumb can you be? Uh, so she would like to get rid of this guy. She's got a strong opponent who's going to be rising in the polls. And that's why she wants to clean up everything. They may have to delay the primaries because of the gerrymandering. And this opponent, Tom Swazi, has a good chance of catching up to her. So she, she needs to get rid of Brian Benjamin, the lieutenant governor, fast. I'm going to ask you to call your shot. Who is going to be the next governor of New York State? Uh, don't count out Rob Astorino. He's a former county executive, but he has been on this uh, Albany stuff going after Cuomo. Nobody better on the subject. You got Lee Zeldin, very strong uh, candidate, and uh, Andrew Giuliani getting better and better. Uh, although he's kind of new, he'd be a great lieutenant governor. But I think the Republicans could take it this year because the congressional race uh, will create a huge red wave in New York and huge Republican turnout. Let's certainly hope so. It needs to happen because they're not, you know, we see, Mark, the Democrats are not fixing it. You know, they've, they've gotten the memo and they're still not fixing it. So the people will have to tell them to fix it by voting them out of office. Good to see you, man. Thanks for the expertise on New York, as always. Thanks for having me. White House advisor Samantha Power is celebrating a fertilizer shortage due to the invasion of Ukraine, saying it'll force farmers to look for natural solutions. I guess we should worry about the potentially devastating food shortages that could cause another time. We'll have the video for you in Quicket. Stay with us. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis blasts reporters who lied about his attendance at the White House Correspondents' Dinner and a trans educator says he tells his students that doctors sometimes just get a baby's gender wrong at birth. Yeah, it is time for Quicket's tonight. Uh, first, I actually wanted to start with this. Samantha Power was uh, the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations under the Obama administration, still a, a Democrat elite, somebody the Democrats will listen to. And there's a big problem right now with fertilizer all over the world. Fertilizer prices have skyrocketed. And that means that there's going to be, first of all, much more expensive food in the developed world, but it also means you could have real food shortages all over the world in the developing world. This is a big problem. So what does Samantha Power think of this? Well you know, maybe it'll make people switch to, for farmers switch to natural solutions, you know, like composting. Watch. Fertilizer shortages are real now because Russia is a big exporter of fertilizer. And even though fertilizer is not sanctioned, uh, less fertilizer is coming out of Russia. As a result, we're working with countries to think about natural solutions like manure and compost. And this may hasten transitions that would have been in the interest of farmers to make eventually anyway. So never let a crisis go to waste, but we really do need this financial support uh, from the Congress to be able to meet emergency food needs so we don't see the cascading uh, deadly effects of Russia's war extend into Africa and beyond. Uh, yeah, how about not viewing this as some kind of opportunity to change the way farming is done and just figure out how we're going to get more fertilizer out there to people so that there's enough food and food pr and food production stays where it needs to be. But no, the Democrats always view any crisis as an opportunity to shove their stupid policies down your throat. That's what they do. And then there's this, you know, there's so much going on right now in the realm of the debates over transgender education, transgender educators uh, out there. Um, who are trying to teach gender identity to children. 
right? There's a lot of discussions. Should this be happening? And what are some of the things when you're teaching gender identity or trans agenda or any of these things to children, what are things that they are being taught? I think that we should certainly know this. And yet here we're told by a transgender educator uh, that kids can sometimes, or children, babies rather, can be given the wrong gender by the doctor because the doctor gets it wrong. Watch. This is how I explain what being transgender means to kids. When a baby is born, the doctor looks at the baby and says, oh, this is a little girl, or, oh, this is a little boy. And sometimes the doctor gets that wrong. So when I was born, the doctor looked at me and said, this is a little girl. And so everybody thought that I was a little girl. But when I got older, I realized, wait, that's not actually who I am. And when I was able to tell people, I said, I'm not a little girl, I'm a little boy. And that just means that I am transgender that who everybody said that I was isn't actually who I am. And I just had to explain that to people. And there's nothing wrong with being transgender. The doctor gets it wrong. Doctor didn't get it wrong. Uh, this is just, you sit here all day, the doctor can look and tell. Unless somebody wants to claim that they are intersex, which is actually a physical, uh, very rare, but is a, is a physical possibility. But that's not what the transgender agenda is about. They're not saying that it's people that actually have a genetic difference in them that would make them intersex. They're saying it's an emotional and psychological state. Yeah. The Atlantic contributor Molly Jung Fast, who is a uh, trust fund baby, by the way, on Elon Musk, who also comes from wealth, but is now the richest man in the world because he knows how to build companies. Uh, this is how Miss Jung Fast speaks about Elon Musk given the Twitter takeover. Watch. Old, rich, white men have for, since the beginning of time, complained about young people. Like, this is not new. You know, you're yeah. old, you're rich, white, you get everything. Of course you're threatened by young people. Of course you're mad. Of course you don't like their beliefs. I mean, think about the 1960s. Like, this is not some new phenomenon. Old, rich, white men are always very threatened by young people. So as much as I yeah. understand... It, I think the fault in some ways is on the mainstream media for reporting this incredulously and not saying, like, this is a rich guy who doesn't want his factory unionized. It's remarkable, isn't it? But she's an old, rich, white lady. But, and she didn't even make money. Came from mommy and daddy. DeSantis blasts the, quote, paragons of truth who lied about his attendance at the White House Correspondence Center. Watch this one. So I never was would I would never attend that I have no interest in that um, I did not watch it I don't care what they do but for them to advertise me when that invitation was rejected by my office uh, that is a lie and so here they are saying how important they are that they're somehow these paragons of truth and yet there they are lying about something that is readily verifiable um, and so the idea that uh, I was there is false. The idea that I would have ever gone is false. And why they would want to try to perpetuate a lie about that, I don't know. But I think it just shows you why that cabal of people um, in D.C., New York, um, are so reviled by so many Americans. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Fields high.
Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country, giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young children and built specially adapted smart homes for catastrophically injured veterans, as well as work to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He's never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades in arms, nor the efforts of first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud Foundation donor. Tunnel to Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the Foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 